This morning, we're going to do something a little bit different. In preparation for Christmas, I'm going to tell you a story. It's a true story. It was 11.15 a.m. The date was June 28, 1914, in the Bosnian capital of Sarajevo. Franz Ferdinand, the Archduke and heir of the Austro-Hungary Empire, and his pregnant wife, Sophie, Duchess of Hohenberg, were shot dead by a Bosnian Serb. This was the shot that was heard round the world and led to the following remarkable sequence of events of the Great War. Austro-Hungary saw the crime as the occasion for the measures to humiliate Serbia and so to enhance Austria-Hungary's prestige in the Balkans. Germany had already stated their support if Austria-Hungary should start a preventative war against Serbia. The Austrians decided to present an unacceptable ultimatum to Serbia and then to declare war, relying on Germany to deter Russia from intervention. Although Serbia offered to submit the issue to international arbitration, Austria-Hungary promptly severed political and diplomatic relations and declared war on July 28th, bombarding Belgrade with artillery the very next day. Russia, bound by treaty to Serbia, announced mobilization of its vast army against Austria-Hungary on July 30th. On July 31st, Germany sent a 24-hour ultimatum requiring Russia to halt its mobilization and an 18-hour ultimatum requiring France to promise neutrality in the event of a war between Russia and Germany. Both Russia and Germany predictably ignored these demands. On August 1st, Germany declared war against Russia prompting France to order general mobilization. The next day, Germany sent troops into Luxembourg and demanded from Belgium free passage for German troops across its neutral territory. On August 3rd, Germany declared war against France. On the night of August 3rd, German forces invaded Belgium. Great Britain, which had expressly committed to defend Belgium, declared war against Germany on August 4th. Austria-Hungary declared war against Russia on August 5th, Serbia against Germany on August 6th, Montenegro against Austria-Hungary on August 7th, and against Germany on August 12th, France and Great Britain against Austria-Hungary on August 10th and August 12th, respectively, Japan against Germany on August 23rd, Austria-Hungary against Japan on August 25th, and against Belgium on August 28th. With Britain's entry into the war, her colonies provided military and financial assistance, and that included Australia, Canada, India, New Zealand, and South Africa. On May 15, 1915, the British passenger liner Lusitania was sunk by a German submarine. And all 1,195 passengers, including 128 Americans, lost their lives. Americans were outraged and put pressure on the U.S. government to enter the war. President Woodrow Wilson campaigned for a peaceful end to the war, but when the Germans announced that their submarines would sink any ship that approached Britain including passenger ships, the U.S. declared war on Germany, finally, in April 2nd, 1917. Well, this is an interesting series of events, and it leads to one interesting conclusion just this morning. Exodus 34 tells us this, Do not make a treaty with the inhabitants of the land, or else when they prostitute themselves with their gods and sacrifice for their gods, they will invite you and you will eat of their sacrifices. Be careful who you align yourself with. Well, World War I was known as the war to end all wars before it even engulfed the whole world. It was a brutal affair. In some, 
in total, some 22 million people died. Another 21 million were wounded. I was thinking about war and the great tragedy of war is that it robs an entire generation of fathers. What better way for Satan to sow discord in the world than to rob children of their dads? What made this war particularly brutal is the way in which it was fought. We aren't talking about the civilized way of fighting of the past with swords or on horseback, not gentlemanly, or even beyond cannons and guns. World War I introduced us to two horrible forms of fighting. The first was trench warfare. Tim, can you put up the picture? Now, trench warfare was brutal. I want you to imagine for a moment that we have a trench dug over here on the far side of the wall. The trench would be four or five feet deep, and it would be dug by hand into the dirt. There's no roof overhead, and so when it snows or it rains, it might have a couple of inches or a couple feet of snow. There was no bathrooms, no showers. There were some nooks that would be carved into the walls for you to sleep, if sleep was even possible. And it would have been nearly impossible because the sound would have been deafening. Guns being shot, artillery being fired, bullets and shells exploding all around you. And where is it that your enemy is shooting from? Well, now I want you to imagine that over against this wall, is also a trench dug four to six feet deep into the dirt. Again, no roof to protect it from the elements. The stench, I can only imagine, would have been overwhelming. Now, the space between us, the space that you were sitting at, that space would be called no man's land. It would have been filled with barbed wire, and it would have been pocked with craters from artillery. You don't dare lift your head out of your trench and you would, as you would risk it being blown off. The only strategy, if you could really call it a strategy, would be that en masse, you would come up out of the trench and you would run towards the enemy, firing all the way, trying to avoid the machine gun fire that ultimately cut down so many in no man's land. Men would die by the dozens, hundreds, even thousands in this way, day after day. And ultimately, the crazy thing is, the lines never moved. It became a stalemate. The conditions were so deplorable and unsanitary, with men living in such close proximity to one another, that ultimately, almost as many people died of influenza than died from the enemy. I want you to continue to imagine being in these trenches some 50 yards from your enemy across no man's land. Machine gun fire and mortars buzzing and exploding around you. No sleep and lack of bathroom and bathing facilities. And now I want you to get a hold of the introduction of weapons of mass destruction, specifically chemical weapons. See that picture? In April of 1915, the German army had 168 tons of chlorine deployed in 5,730 cylinders in the Belgian province of West Flanders. At 5.30 p.m., with a slight easterly breeze, the chlorine was siphoned from the tanks, producing a gas 
which formed a gray-green cloud that drifted across positions. These positions were held by French colonial troops from Martinique and Algeria. The gas attack decimated two French divisions, creating a huge gap five miles wide and two and a half miles across in the Allied front lines. Over 1,100 men died a horrific death, and over 1,000 were terribly injured in that attack. The German army then began to march into the emptied trenches. A young German soldier described it this way, what we saw was total death. Nothing was alive. All of the animals had come out of their holes to die. You could see where men had clawed at their faces and throats trying to get breath. Some had even shot themselves. There were ultimately 50 chemical agents used by both sides. They ranged from irritants like tear gas, which would incapacitate the enemy, making it hard for them to fight, to burning gases like mustard gas, which burns the eyes, skins, and respiratory tract, to blistering agents like phosgene and chlorine that causes painful sores and sheds the lining of the lungs, making it impossible to breathe. While chemical warfare didn't kill that many people compared to the traditional forms of warfare, their introduction and use was a watershed moment in man's ability to inflict cruelty on another human being. Now, I don't share this with you to upset you, and I'm sure it is upsetting. But only as an illustration of the brutality of war, especially this war. Which makes what I'm about to share even more remarkable. As 1914 was about to draw to a close, tens of thousands had already died on both sides. The war had been promoted and had been expected by both sides to be over by Christmas. Yet the war seemed far from over at the front. Both sides dug in for a long winter's battle. And then something amazing happened. Remarkable true story. It's known as the Christmas truce. My question is, is what made this possible? By what power can this happen? What can possibly motivate men to lay down their arms pick up a soccer ball, and spend the day fellowshipping with their enemy? What was it about Christmas that motivated these men to act in a way that was so contrary to the way they acted just the day before? How were they able to turn no man's land into every man's land? The answer is the power of Christmas. Tim, can you put up Luke 2? Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord." And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace and goodwill towards men. 
Jesus came to bring peace on earth, peace between us and God, and peace between each other. The war has, with God has been won by the blood of Jesus. The war of rebellion, sin against God, ends with our submission to the power of Christmas, the power of Christ, the power of the Word made flesh, the power of love. And if we're no longer at war with God, we find we have no reason for war against one another. We can be reconciled together when we are reconciled to the Father through Christ. Christmas is the most moving episode in all of human history. There is only one unique person who ever in the world called himself the way, the truth, and the life. He is the Alpha and Omega, the mightiest of all the mighty the Savior of the world, God incarnate. The entrance of Jesus into the earth was fascinating, fulfilling prophecy, having gifts brought from afar, having local shepherd men honor him, having a king attempt to assassinate him, fleeing to Egypt in the middle of the night were a few signs that hint at the importance of this little child. Jesus had come to earth The Almighty had entered our world. The infinite had become finite, and the eternal had invaded time. He did not come to a palace with marble halls and carpeted stairs. No luxurious cradle was prepared for his birth. Cathedral bells failed to toll. Bands were silent. No royal choruses burst forth in song. Only the music of heaven was heard. Mary wrapped Jesus in cloth and placed him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. Lord Jesus came only to the straw bed. His mother only had animals as her companions. He was born in the most humble of ways. Little did many know that that little babe, through his life, his teachings, His death and his resurrection would one day have a greater influence than the birth and death of any other man in history. And now, for nearly 2,000 years, his birth has been commemorated, for he is the central figure in all of history. More than 2,000 Christmas days have come and gone since that never-to-be-forgotten night when the Word was made flesh to dwell amongst us. And today, after the passing of more than 2,000 years, he is worshipped by countless millions, both dead and living. And untold multitudes are looking forward to the time when he will come again. And that was the power of that Christmas day. It was no longer soldier against soldier, German against English, Austrian against French. At that moment, they were just sons who desired to be with their families, to eat at the family table, and have their mother cook them their favorite dish. They were husbands who longed to be in the loving embrace of their wives, to walk hand in hand at the park or along the beach, to hold them and watch the sunset. They were fathers who wanted only to play with their children and give them piggyback rides and play ball with them and hug and kiss them. 
just one more time. They were just a bunch of boys longing for the time when they would run with their friends to the park or to the middle of the street to play play a game of three-on-three soccer, laughing and joking as boys do. At that moment, they were just a group of young men who would like to sit together at the pub drinking a beer and swapping stories. In that moment, the good news of great joy brought them to join together to proclaim glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. For the men on the front line that Christmas day in 1914, love won out. Peace overcame. Joy broke through. Unfortunately, December 26th was like December 24th. The peace didn't last. It rarely does. But for you and for me, the peace can last. I want to end the story this morning by once again visiting that verse in Luke. I'd like us to actually read it together. Tim, can you put it up? Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Let's say that last line again with a little more oomph. It's Christmas. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. Father God, I thank you that through Jesus piercing through eternity, we can have peace with you. That is the greatest story that was ever told. That is the greatest present that can ever be given. Father, the longing of our hearts to be at peace and to experience joy. For we all want joy, great joy. And it comes through just this little baby born in a humble way. Lord, I just ask that, like on that Christmas day in 1914, we can sing praises to you and that we can find peace and rest in you. And Lord, I just ask that December 26th wouldn't just be a day as it was before for those fighting in World War I. But Lord, it would be a new day that peace would continue within our hearts. That peace would go before us, Lord. That we could walk confidently in your peace. That we could share the joy of who you are with all those that come into our presence. Lord, I thank you for this Christmas season. I thank you, Lord, that despite a world that wants to rip Jesus right out of Christmas, 
that we can stand here, we can proclaim loudly and boldly, Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the great I am. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And that very first Christmas was our way to peace with you. And so, Father, I just thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, I'm Jeff Eckstein, one of the pastors here at Bethlehem Community Church. Welcome to our Sunday podcast, coming to you from the town of Bethlehem in upstate New York in the USA. Bethlehem Community Church is an independent, non-denominational, Bible-based evangelical church that includes people with backgrounds from many denominations. We believe that it is only through the love of the Father, the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross, and the power of the Holy Spirit that we can come into a personal relationship with God. We are people truly seeking a deeper intimacy with God and with one another. If you'd like to know more about our church, please visit our website at www.bccdelmar.org. There you'll be able to find our statement of faith, as well as more about the ministry of Bethlehem Community Church. You'll also be able to submit prayer requests as we are called to pray with and for you. We also would love to hear your story and how you found our podcast and where you're listening from. So please visit our website and send us an email. Again, it's bccdelmar.org. That's bccdelmar.org. Thank you for joining us as we continue our pursuit of knowing God and making Him known.